Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Hello and welcome to podcast 198 of Maximize Your Influence. This is Kurt Mortensen and welcome. Appreciate your love and support and all your feedback. Do like us on iTunes. We have a special guest today, Dave Negri, and we are going to get some great information. He has a marketing podcast. He talks to marketing specialists around the world to get tips and, and things to help people with their marketing, with their branding, with their positioning, and how to help entrepreneurs have a profitable business with the advertising the marketing. He's been doing this for 28 years. He's been there. He's done it. He's made it happen. He's actually located in Clearwater, Florida. He was boasting how nice the weather was, which I do agree. Dave, welcome to the show. Kurt, thanks so much for having me on. It's going to be fun today. Yeah. We're always going to talk about influence and marketing and persuasion, but of course, as you know, we got to start off with the first question of the day. In your humble opinion, what is the worst vegetable on the planet and why? Oh, man. I guess it's a toss-up, but I'm going to go with cauliflower. Really? That's a new one for us. Explain why. It is, for me anyways, it tastes terrible, it looks ugly, and it has no eating appeal, and I can't even eat it with cheese on it. <laughs> it even, well, it looks like the human brain, I guess, now that I think about it. Even if you disguise the flavor in ranch, you can't do it? I don't know. No, I've even tried eating it as, uh, you know how some people try to disguise it as uh, mashed potatoes? Oh, I know. My wife was talking about making these cauliflower burgers, and I'm like, what are you thinking? No, no yeah, uh-uh. <laughs> what are you thinking? Maybe a little ranch, but don't make a burger out of it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's a new one for the show. Cauliflower it is. We'll put that one on the list. Let's get into some meat and talk about some things. As we get into this and you look at marketing and entrepreneurs and you know, the world of sales and influence, what do you feel right now is the biggest marketing blunder that maybe you've done or you're observing right now? What is the thing that right now, if we cross it off the list, people are going to do much better in their businesses? I think just going out of the gate, I think that when you, a lot of guys, and even me in the beginning, would copy someone else's marketing because it looked pretty mm -hmm. and had no idea whether it worked or not. But they spent money to do it, realizing that it didn't work. Well, that's a good point. Just because it's pretty and beautiful on the internet or a direct mail piece doesn't mean it works. I mean, it's okay, I think, to benchmark other people if it's working. Oh, absolutely. But you're, absolutely. you're saying that too many people say, oh, that's a beautiful, I guess it could be a billboard, a direct mail piece, a, yeah. a website, and they copy it, and they have the same dismal results because they don't know. So I guess that brings up another question. How do you know what type of marketing to benchmark? How do you know not to get to chase after the pretty but find the stuff that's really working? When I first started out in learning marketing, we were buying and selling houses back in 2005, 2006 through eight, and then uh, we would actually created pieces, and we learned from the masters on how to get people to call us instead of going after them. So a great marketing piece for me is one that gets someone to call me as opposed to me to chase them. So it has to, you know, it has to have some basic tenets in it. Is there a decent offer? And is there a call to action? And is there an, an expiration date? Other than that, your marketing piece, no matter what it is, whether it's on the Internet or whether it's a mail piece, is just a flyer. 
I guess the goal would be not just to get anyone to call, but get the right person to call so it's weeded them out enough to know that if you're talking to them, they're the right type of prospect. Is that correct? Correct. Once you get into really learning and testing and measuring, you'll create pieces that will actually get people not to, to call you because they know they're not qualified. And that can be a good thing. The phone Absolutely. Re- <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the phone to ring less, but when it rings, you know that person's ready to go. They've read your material. They know exactly what you represent instead of you having to do that same pitch every time of trying to get them. And so that's a good point about marketing is that you're getting the right people to contact you, to email you, to call you on the phone. That's what great marketing does. Get them to raise their hand and you get to put them through your filters, your funnels, however you want to call it to make that happen. So that's a great point to think about as you do your marketing. Just because it's pretty doesn't mean it works. And when they call, you want the right person to call. And you know, you just mentioned one of the keys of a great marketing piece is the follow-up behind it, which a lot of guys don't even think about. They just, because they're transactional, they just think about, I want to get it now. Oh, that's a huge blunder of entrepreneurs. And they get that first phone call, they're all excited, like, all right, call me back when you're interested or... Let me know if you have any more questions. What is your key? Do you have like a certain number with your your funnels that you think is mandatory to follow up with somebody after they've raised their hand? Forever. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) And I'm sure you've found out through the years that, you know, just because someone raises their hand doesn't mean they want to buy now, but they do want to buy. And 3% of those people are going to buy now. But what about the other 97%? What do you do with those 97%? Forget about them and hope they come back into your funnel and you're paying for them again? Or do you continue to touch them in ways that they're going to buy? Most of them are going to buy within the next 18 months anyways. So would you rather have them buy from you and just trickle them with, uh, personally, I like the printed newsletter Mm -hmm. and postcards because their emails get deleted. And I have a standing joke that... um, at least my people remember me on the way to the garbage. <laughs> at least they're thinking about you, right? Right, yeah, right. Yeah, that's what you want. And that's a great point. I like the forever because whether it's a direct mail piece or an email drip campaign, depending on your prospects and where they're located, it's forever. Keep them on your mind. Keep your name on top mm. of the list. And, and like you said, it could be 18 months. And I've had that at a time where you worked with someone, you you know, you give it up, and then a year and a half later they say, hey, yeah, let's go ahead and do that. You're like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> But yeah. they remembered you, and that's that's part of great marketing is just forever. I mean, they can opt out when they want. They can throw it away if they want. But your name's always going to be there when they need you one, two, three years down the road. So that's, Absolutely. that's good information. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about a topic that that I harp on, and I don't, now I want you to harp on because we're working with a lot of entrepreneurs out there, is the subject of price. Everyone out there, especially entrepreneurs and New salespeople always want to fight on price. They always want to be the cheapest. Why is that? Why does everyone want to fight on price? You know, I don't know, but I'll uh, have conversations with people and they'll always, especially a lot of new people, they'll go into business and they'll create marketing pieces that will give somebody a discount for their first time. And I'll go, you know, really, why do you want to do that? Well, I want business. I understand that in concept, but you're attracting the customer that only wants to do business with you because they're looking for a discount. And then you're going to get mad at them because they're cheap, but you attracted them. Why not just start out with and tell them you're going to give them the value they want for the price they're willing to pay. And then you've got that customer forever. And here's the interesting thing. And I'm sure you found this out. 
like-minded people refer like-minded people. So do you want like-minded people who are cheap to refer their cheap friends? Or do you want like-minded people who are willing to pay a premium for the value and the services that you give to refer their friends who want the same thing? Hey, that's a great point. I hope, listeners, you've caught that because that's important. Who are you attracting? Do you want the person that wants the cheapest product that's going to give you grief the rest of your, your life? And I found this to be true, and I've talked to other marketers, too, that the people that want the cheapest price, that want the coupon, that are back you in the, in the corner for to just to reduce the price, they're going to complain the most. They're going to take most of your time, right? I don't know. Do you agree yeah, with that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> There's that, always that 80-20 rule. There's, like they say, there, you know, 20% of your customers create 80% of your profit, but there again, the 20% on the other end of your customers create 80% of your grief. Yeah, and so... It's not 100%, but these are the people that are going to be just going to give you grief. Yeah. They're going to give you misery. They're going to complain. Yeah. They're going to want a cheaper price again next time. So don't be a rookie. Don't fight on price. Get more persuasion skills. And so I love what Dan Kennedy, the famous marketer, says. says yeah. Entrepreneurs just take a deep breath and add another zero to it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I love Dan's. You know, there's always elasticity, always yeah. in, in your pricing, always. And especially if you're busy. Always raise your price because now you're going to create a new ceiling for your services. And even if you're not busy, don't be hungry. Always, I always would tell people, listen, I'm always booked two weeks out. But if something happens where someone cancels or wants to move their schedule around, I'll put you at the top of the list. And they would never know that I I needed the business. And that's that little urgency, that little scarcity yeah. is always important. Because, yeah, anytime. I can come anytime. They're like, wait a minute, who is this person? <laughs> that's always a challenge. And let's talk about that. So how do you get people to raise their price? What are some of the, the key factors that you've seen to get people to dramatically raise their price, attract better customers, and psychologically feel good with it? Well, the first part you know, is the psychological thing. Everyone is afraid to raise their prices. And I always try to get people comfortable with just go 10%. No one's ever going to notice. You know, to start off, start off with there and then go up and just feel a little bit more comfortable. If you have a propensity to think that you, know, you owe your customers a low prices from the past, you don't. Everything in their life goes up. So you need to increase accordingly and then if you really want to raise your prices exponentially or go as elastic as you think you can, then do it to all the new people that are coming on board. Because if you get them, great. If you don't, there's always somebody behind them. Always. People know you get what you pay for. Yeah. That's important. And one study I read said only 6% of the things we bought are actually bought on price, but it's that knee-jerk reaction to expensive. Yep. And entrepreneurs get stuck on not charging enough for their services. And so... Even if it's just 10%, then another 10% getting comfortable with yep. it is a big piece. Are there any other tools that are important when people start to raise their price and increase the value? Is it just a, a mindset thing, or do they need to add value to it? I think they need to add value to it. You know, Raising your price for just raising your price can be good, especially if you're not making any money, which 30% <laughs> don't make a profit because they haven't learned actually what it takes for them to get out of bed in the morning. But that's a whole other story. I think that to add value, they take my contracting business that I've got, what I do to add value is I under-promise and over-deliver. I always send thank you cards, always. I always send gifts after we've done business. I'm not a commodity. I've taken myself out of that realm. And it's too easy to be a commodity. 
Yeah, then you're getting compared to everyone else, and that's yeah. I think the big challenge is people's always comparing McDonald's to a great steak restaurant. I mean, yeah. they're both food. I'll give you that, but they're very different. And so, how do you get people to explain the difference? I mean, is it a, when you're talking to your prospect, is it a mental thing in the mind of the prospect? Is it a physical list of things they're going to receive? What is the best way to handle that to really communicate the value you're delivering? A lot of it is my mindset. The money is really second. I know it's always going to follow. So first off is what can I do for them? How can I solve their problem? What's the best way to do that for them in the most efficient way? Um, it could be you know they want one thing, but they really need another thing and trying to circumvent that so they don't spend an exorbitant amount of money. And it could be that way. But it's just I think ultimately it's looking out for their best interests and them knowing it. They feel like you really care about what you're going to do for them, and you're not there just for their money. Okay. I like that. So when they establish the value, it's there. Do you think it's important for them to have testimonials or guaranteed? Does that help with the value, or is that just a secondary thing if you've blown your presentation? I always include them. When I go through my – when I do a presentation or I do an estimate from like my painting company, I always leave – it's got to be almost – a 15 or 20 page booklet it's the proposal it's the guarantee it's the what we'll do it's how we're going to do it it's our 10 questions you need to ask every contractor before you let them on your property so that sets just all the little things that add up to one big thing that make me the expert in my marketplace so you're including everything so all the questions they have are going to get answered in your proposal and it's there whether they want them or not and i think Sometimes just a thick proposal is more credible anyway, just because it has all those things. They may not read it, right. but it's there. They can read it. They might not look at the testimonials. They might not look at the guarantee. So that's something to think about if you want to make sure you pre-solve any objections that they might have. So that's important. And another thing I know you mentioned, price shoppers exist on every income level. I think that's really important for the listeners to understand. Explain what you mean by that. Well, and this goes back to mindset, and it's you have to understand that. No matter how cheap you are, there's always somebody out there that's going to be cheaper. So just forget that mindset altogether. There are people that are price conscious, but once you get to a certain, let's go, mindset person, and I like to call them money-rich and time-rich people, where they have the income and they have the time to do whatever they want, but they're not going to do a lot of things for themselves, so they'll look for people who will take care of their properties or take care of their cars or their investments, whatever, where they won't do it, but they'll pay a little bit higher price because they know they're going to get treated well and they're going to get value from it. Now, I've had people who are wealthy and guys go up and give them, with the wrong mindset, give them their normal price, which is low, and they'll say, I can't do business with you because your price is too low. I know that I'm going to get cheated somewhere Mm, so just if you go too low, a lot of people like knee jerk. Wait a minute, something's yeah. up, something's wrong. You get what you pay for. It's at the back of everyone's mind, and so yeah. price. Everyone, deep breath. Raise price. your prices this week. That's what you're going to do. That's what <laughs> we want. Make your wife happy. <laughs> That's right. Make everybody happy. <laughs> well, great. So, what is the one thing that I've missed that our listeners need to know about price or about marketing? What do you think is the one thing that you could share that could be very helpful to them this week? I think the best thing that really is to to read as much as you can about marketing and not so that you have to do it so that you'll know what the good is, what the bad is, what the ugly is, but also that it just 
gives you different thoughts. And again, your mindset, just become confident in what your ability is and that you are providing something of value to your customer. You're not a servant. You are another business person who is providing value to another person. Uh, well said. I agree that everyone, you should have a, a moral and ethical obligation to persuade people because if you don't persuade them to do business with you, somebody with an inferior product, inferior service is going to take an advantage of it. It's going to take their money, so it might as well be you. Absolutely. <laughs> and do it the right way and just learn these skills that will make a huge difference in your business and your life. Well, that's great information. So, Dave, where can our listeners find out more? Um, our podcast is at um, ContractorsSecretWeapon.com. And uh, you can email me at info at ContractorsSecretWeapon.com. And you'll all of our, um, our podcasts are there and all of our materials there. And uh, pretty soon we're coming out with a new format, so it'll be fun and exciting. Well, good deal. And you also have access to the 15 Secret Weapons. Is that also on that website? Absolutely, yeah. It's right there on the website. Click on it. You'll get it. And it's a free report that we had put together. We used to sell for $97, and we just decided to give it away. There we go. Good information right there. Dave, appreciate your time. Thanks for being here. Listeners, thanks for being on Maximize Your Influence. We're getting close to episode 200. We're going to announce some exciting things for that one. Thanks for being here. Learn this information, master it, and go out and persuade with power. 